The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Stanley making his 34th consecutive start today. Clean pocket, steps up, guns it, passes, caught Tyrone Tracy. There he goes, Tracy towards the end zone for the Iowa touchdown. And how about that pitch and catch? Tracy replacing the injured Brandon Smith. It was well thrown by Nate Stanley in a tight window. Well, Trey Williams missed the tackle in his first game back now that he's healthy, and Iowa takes advantage, leading 7-0. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who previews this week's Iowa-Wisconsin game and also reflects on the Hawks' win at Northwest. We have Bonenkamp's Big Breakdown, John Bonenkamp's weekly look at Big Ten football, and you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Wisconsin's Paul Christ. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Bonenkamp. The Iowa Northwestern game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2, with an Announcers Roy Philpott and Kelly Stover, we very much appreciate it and thank them. Second down and goal, they'll spot it near the two. Sergeant towards the goal line, did he get there? He did, touchdown Hawkeyes. Boy, that second effort got Makai Sargent across the goal line in a very important touchdown to extend this lead. A lot of extra effort on that drive in that run game. 59 yards in 13 plays. Six minutes off the clock, and the Hawkeyes reach pay dirt for the second time this afternoon. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes go on the road to Madison this Saturday to face the Wisconsin Badgers in what is essentially a Big Ten West title elimination game. Both teams are 6-2 and 3-2 in conference play. Iowa is coming off back-to-back wins over West Division foes Northwestern and Purdue, while Wisconsin is coming off two straight losses, one of those not unanticipated against Ohio State, but the other a stunning loss in the last second at Illinois. Whichever team wins on Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium will be right in the middle of the Big Ten West title race and perhaps in the driver's seat, controlling its own outcome by winning the last three regular season games after this one. While Minnesota is undefeated, it hosts Penn State this Saturday, in all probability a loss, and then it has to play at Kinnick Stadium the following weekend and then closes out the season against the Badgers in Minneapolis. So a win this Saturday, followed up by three more victories would make either Iowa or Wisconsin the West Division winner and a chance to play likely East Division champ Ohio State in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Conference Football Championship. Oh yeah, and the Heartland Trophy is at stake as well. The Badgers have held that prize three straight seasons, and the Hawkeyes are hungry to reclaim it. It's the only one of Iowa's four rivalry game trophies that the Hawkeyes do not currently hold. Iowa is ranked 18th in both the coaches and AP polls. Wisconsin is 16th in both of those rankings. The Badgers lead the all-time series 47-43-2, and and they've won six of the last seven meetings with the Hawkeyes. Iowa's lone win in that stretch was 10-6 in 2015 at Camp Randall Stadium. Iowa is 19-27-1 all-time in games played in Madison, and the visiting team in this series have won seven of the last eight games. Wisconsin's wins this year have been over South Florida, Central Michigan, Michigan, Northwestern, Kent State, and Michigan State. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is Iowa's winningest head football coach and the dean of college head coaches, 
He is in his 21st season as the Hawkeyes head man with a record of 158 and 103. One more Big Ten win for Ferentz will give him 95 in the conference. That will tie Joe Paterno for fifth all-time in conference history. Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ is in his fifth year heading the Badgers program with a record of 48 and 17. He's been a head coach for a total of eight years and his overall record is 67 and 33. In game notes, this contest is shaping up to be a battle between two of college football's best defenses with both teams highly ranked in key defensive categories. Iowa's defense ranks third in the nation in scoring 10.1 points per game, sixth in total defense 265.9 yards per game, and eighth in rushing defense 87.8 yards per game. That total defense number is the best for any Iowa team since 1984. The Hawkeyes are allowing just 10.1 points per game. That's the lowest total in the Ferentz era and the lowest for any Iowa team since 1956. Iowa has allowed just nine touchdowns in its eight games. In the Big Ten, only Ohio State has allowed fewer with six. The Hawkeyes are also the only school in the FBS to not allow a rush over 20 yards. However, that stat, the last one, is almost certain to be severely tested this Saturday in Madison, facing star Badgers running back Jonathan Taylor. He's the nation's leading scorer with 19 TDs, and he ranks fifth in the FBS, averaging 126.1 yards rushing per game. Taylor has totaled an amazing 5,180 career rushing yards in just 35 games. The Hawkeyes also have four shutouts in Big Ten play over the last 11 conference games. No other team has more than one since the start of the 2018 season. Although the Badgers do have four shutouts this year, only one of those came in Big Ten action, that against Michigan State. Wisconsin's defense ranks first in total defense, 223.5 yards per game, fourth in scoring defense, 11.4 points per game, and fifth in rushing defense at 84.1 yards per game. The Badgers work mostly out of a 3-4 defensive alignment. That's given Iowa fits over the last few years, although the Hawkeyes did fare slightly better offensively in last year's game at Kinnick Stadium. Wisconsin's linebackers are very active, and they're the key to the Badgers' success defensively. Wisconsin is limiting opponents to just a 22.4% conversion success on third down plays this year. That's the best in the FBS. Offensively, Wisconsin leads the nation in time of possession, averaging 36 minutes and 48 seconds per game. The Badgers have outscored their opponents at Camp Randall Stadium this season by a combined margin of 177 points in those five games. That's a 209 to 29 mark with a scoring average for the Badgers of 41.2 points per game in those contests. For the Hawkeyes, quarterback Nate Stanley is 23 and 11 in his 34 consecutive starts and Iowa has averaged 28.4 points per game in that time. That average is sixth in school history and 10th in the FBS among active quarterbacks. The 34 straight starts is second in school history. Stanley trails only Chuck Long's 47. In depth chart notes, Kirk Ferentz says offensive lineman Kyler Schott should return from injury for this game and he'll likely start at right guard, but the Hawkeyes will remain without leading pass receiver Brandon Smith, starting tight end Nate Weeding, and starting middle linebacker and leading tackler Christian Welch. Otherwise, Iowa appears to be relatively healthy for this late in the season, including along the offensive line and in the defensive secondary. In tidbits and nuggets, this game will be televised nationally on Fox with announcers Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman with a scheduled 3.05 p.m. kickoff. As usual, it will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be broadcast nationally on Westwood One and will be available on satellite radio, XM Channel 202 and Sirius Channel 111. Iowa currently holds three of its four rivalry trophies and has already retained one of them this season, defeating Iowa State in Ames to retain the Cy Hawk Trophy. After this Saturday's battle for the Heartland Trophy, the Hawkeyes will face Minnesota next weekend in Iowa City for Floyd of Rosedale, then play in Lincoln against Nebraska in the season finale to retain the Heroes Trophy. The Hawkeyes are 14-3 and in their last 17 trophy games. All three of those losses came at the hands of Wisconsin. The Badgers are 19 
19 and 2 since 2010 in their last 21 rivalry trophy games against the Hawkeyes, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Wisconsin has played in a bowl game for 17 consecutive seasons, the longest active streak in the Big Ten, and that's also the fifth longest in the nation. The Badgers have excelled in conference action the past six years, compiling a 37 and 11 record in the Big Ten. The only team that's better in that span, Ohio State at 44 and 4. Wisconsin is the only FBS school to have alumni in the top three football coaching positions. Paul Christ as head coach, Joe Rudolph as offensive coordinator, and Jim Leonard as defensive coordinator. This weekend will also feature on-field recognition of Wisconsin's back-to-back Big Ten and Rose Bowl championship teams from the 1998 and 1999 seasons, and it will mark the 20th anniversary of Ron Dane winning the 1999 Heisman Trophy. And last but certainly not least, the Rusty Toolbox game will be played again, this time Friday night inside the McLean Center adjacent to Camp Randall Stadium. This is the annual flag football tussle between the team managers from the two schools. Wisconsin leads that all-time series 12-11, but has completely dominated in recent years, having won eight in a row dating back to 2009. Hasn't been easy. It won't be easy. That pass batted down and picked off at the line of scrimmage. A costly turnover for Northwestern, and Chauncey Golston comes up with it. And it was Brady Reed from his defensive tackle position that batted that ball in the air. If you can't get to the quarterback, impede the path of the football, and Reef does a good job on that play, and not a great way for Northwestern to start, needless to say. That music means Bonencamp's big breakdown is next. You can follow John Bonencamp on Twitter, at John Bonencamp, and you can read John's articles on Sports Illustrated's Hawkeye Maven at si.com forward slash college forward slash Iowa. John calls in next to talk Big Ten football with the latest numbers from the Points Bet Sportsbook Catfish Bend Casino in Burlington. All right, John, we haven't talked for a couple of weeks, so we've got two weeks of Big Ten football to discuss in today's segment. Just a couple of notes from the Big Ten Conference. There's just four weekends remaining, kind of hard to believe. There's 10 Big Ten teams in action this weekend. Ohio State and Penn State still sitting atop and undefeated in the East Division. Interesting there, though, tied for third with Michigan is Indiana. And then you've got the West Division where undefeated Minnesota still leads. But of the three undefeated teams, Minnesota, Ohio State and Penn State, things are going to start changing this weekend because they start facing each other, or at least oh, yeah. Penn State plays at Minnesota this weekend, and then you have Ohio State and Penn State playing in the next to last weekend of the regular season, and then you have Minnesota coming to Iowa, and then Wisconsin going to Minnesota in the last game of the regular season. So we'll talk more about this when we get to it, but uh, that's why whichever team wins Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium, if it wins out, it's likely the Big Ten West Division champion. So yeah, I do think that. I mean, I do think that just the way. I mean, just the way it's going to kind of all play out. And like I said, Minnesota is. It's they've done what they needed to do to get to this point, but now it's all a matter of you know can they continue to do it now? All right. Well, let's look at just real quickly what happened in uh, Week Nine because again we weren't here last week talking about it because half of well two thirds of the Big Ten had their bye week and um, among the more interesting results. I mean Ohio. State's total domination in Wisconsin. Illinois looks like it's on a roll. It defeated Purdue, and uh, Penn State had little trouble at Michigan State. Minnesota crushed Maryland, who isn't these days. Maybe one of the most interesting (laughs) results besides Michigan dominating Notre Dame was Indiana defeating Nebraska in Lincoln, and Nebraska's going to be struggling to become bowl eligible. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not so sure the numbers are there to get sick for them, you know, which, I mean, really kind of, I mean, you'd 
you, you knew they were over. There were a lot of people overrating them at the big, beginning of the season, but it's like, can can they get to that six wins? I'm not so sure now, you know. And so, you know, for the for them, the way they've been playing, it's like, yeah, you know, so yeah. And they followed the loss to the loss to Indiana by uh, losing to Purdue. Exactly, and that's what I mean. I mean, if you want to get to six wins, those were the games you had to win. And you know, just looking at their schedule, you know, coming. Down, I mean, they got Wisconsin this week, and then they've got Iowa, and in, in, in between's Maryland. I don't, I don't, or you know, I don't know if they get to six. I really don't. Week eleven already, and let's just start right off the bat with an eleven a.m. kickoff: Penn State at Minnesota on ABC. That's a big game in both divisions. Yeah, Penn State. You know, Penn State's a six and a half point favorite, which kind of surprised me a little bit, but it also kind of shows, I think, that that maybe you know the Vegas people aren't quite as confident about this about this Minnesota team and. And, and I, it, I the over under was forty seven and a half, so they also think it's going to be you know one of those games that that you know where both teams are going to be in the twenties or Penn State gets you know which is interesting because I, I it's an interesting number that's an interesting number both it just it's a it's a fascinating number on kind of how they're looking at this game but you know I really like Penn State in this game and I, I think this is this is kind of where the Minnesota the Minnesota boat kind of falls short here I think springs a leak <laughs> yes yeah, springs a leak there you go all right well then let's. Uh, Look at another 11 a.m. kickoff, this one on BTN. And it's an interesting game in the Big Ten West, Purdue at Northwestern, to see if Northwestern can finally score a touchdown. Yeah, and and, and, and here's an, another interesting number. They're two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. The over-under is 38, so that's that's somebody saying that they don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. But I was really surprised Northwestern is favored. I mean, considering, you know, what, what Purdue's done, you know, what Purdue did last week, that sort of thing. And I just, you know, I, I find that one... I I find that one, that's probably one where I'm going to go with Purdue on that one. I just, I don't see Northwestern getting a lot of points in that game. I, that, and, but but this could also be the game maybe where they kind of break through. But I, I'm going to go with Purdue plus two and a half in that one. I, I really like, you know, I just think that's, I just didn't think much of that Northwestern team when I saw them, and I just don't think much of them right now. So Another 11 a.m. kickoff, this on Fox. It'll precede the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Numbers should be interesting on this one. Maryland at Ohio State. <laughs> Oh, baby. Ohio State. Uh, I've seen two different lines. One had them at 43 and another one had them at 43 and a half. That's a lot of points. But I mean, I think this Maryland team's another one that I think's maybe kind of cashed it in at this point. Over under at 64. So that says to me that Vegas is thinking this is going to be like, you know, a, a 59 to 6 game or something like that. You know, I just I just don't see Maryland having anything for Ohio State in this game. Another really interesting game to me and I generally, unless I do it by accident, I never look at these odds and the numbers before you and I mm-hmm. visit. So, mm-hmm. but and, and I'm kind of guessing, well I'm curious, what is this? Illinois at Michigan State, 3.30 p.m. FS1. The Illini are on a roll. And Michigan's states a 14 and a half point favorite um which i again that was one i was looking at that today and i i had to scroll back on that one and kind of look again like really that's again that's that's vegas saying they don't have a lot of confidence in this illinois team and they have a lot of confidence in in michigan state at home and so um you know the over the over unders at forty five, so they don't think this is going to be a high scoring game. But that was really a surprising number because, like you said, I mean, no one always played well here lately. And yeah, granted, they haven't been playing anybody, but but they've played, they've at least put up some points. So I found that to be an interesting number because I mean, Michigan State has struggled at times this year. So I that, I, I was shocked that was a double digit number. Yeah, Sparty's only four and four overall. They're just two and three in Big Ten play. They haven't looked good, and D'Antonio looks even more sour than usual. <laughs> yeah, this this hasn't this season hasn't gone well for him and you're right. He every time I see him that scowls just a little more, you know, just a little bigger than what it usually is. So All right, there are four teams having a bye week, so it means Nebraska and Rutgers can't possibly lose this weekend. So <laughs> there's a plus. Uh, let's go to the game. Well, before we do that, I'm just guessing that there aren't any odds on the Rusty Toolbox contest for Friday night. No, there is not. So um, there is not. So uh, 
uh, and there should be. I mean, I'm surprised there isn't actually the way everything gets everything, with all the odds now these days. I'm surprised, but no, there are no there are no odds on that. Yeah, Wisconsin's on a nine game winning streak in that game too. So <laughs> they have yeah they have they have a better group I think. All right, let's turn to the game most uh, people in this area care about. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned at the top, it's it's basically a Big Ten West elimination game. Both teams yep. have identical records: six and two, three and two. Iowa coming off of two wins, Wisconsin off of two consecutive losses. 3 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Hawkeyes at the Badgers for the Heartland Trophy. Another surprising number. Wisconsin, nine and a half point favorites at home. And uh, the 38 over and under, that seemed about right. I mean, I, I when, you look, when you look at the numbers each of these defenses have allowed this year, I mean, that just didn't, I mean, it, it just seems like this can be a low-scoring game. And as I always say, when I always feel that way, then watch, it's going to be 38-31. I, I really, I, I was shocked at the nine and a half because, again, like you said, Wisconsin you know, hasn't played well the last couple of weeks. Iowa, you know, has done enough things and, and had and it's coming off a of bye week but um yeah that, that's a little high number i think but i mean that they're also looking at that and maybe thinking that wisconsin wins this game 20 to you know you know 20 to 10 or something like that so um you know i mean i, I think they're probably putting a little more faith right now in wisconsin's defense than iowa's which i think is a little misplaced i think iowa's defense is just really good right now so again kind of a high number but yeah wisconsin almost a double digit favorite at home which is interesting if you had to make a play what would you do um man i don't that's one i just can't i just don't have a feeling on i'd take the under but i just i don't have a feeling on on, on what you know because I, I mean the last time iowa went up there just really not good and you know coming off of bye week i i don't know i i just don't have a feeling on this game and sometimes sometimes you can look at games and you have a feeling on them. this is one i just don't have a feeling on but i got to give you a prediction at some that's point, right so. <laughs> that's where i was going yeah. so I, i'll tell you what i'm gonna give you a prediction right now and then i'll email it to you i'm gonna go iowa 17 to 13. That's going to be my prediction. Wow. All right. If I had to ask you, what's the one or two most surprising things to you at this point in the season in the Big Ten Conference, what would your answer be to that? Um, I mean, I, I think you got to throw Minnesota in there. I mean, I, I know that, that, you know, people look at their schedule and all that, but I go back to that and always say, you know, at this point in the year, if you're still undefeated, you've done something right because you've kind of avoided, you know, the clunkers that, that sometimes you get it especially in conference play that's when i i think the surprise to me too is just michigan and just how they've struggled at times and that's why you know i mean i i that's that's one that i those are the two i think more than anything's how good minnesota's been and and how not so good michigan's been when i die it'll be here or on top of a wild woman i hope it's here but i'll go either way Keith Duncan from 40 yards out, 0 for 1 today, this time right between the Pikes and Iowa extends its lead. One of the top kickers in the country redeems himself. Hawkeyes lead it on the road. Keith Duncan back on the field for a 28-yard field goal attempt, 1 for 2 today. Has been automatic this entire season, and this one splits the pipes yet again. Hawkeyes extend their lead on the road, 20-0. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who assesses this year's Wisconsin team and the challenges it presents for his Hawkeyes. As you start looking at Wisconsin, uh, it really doesn't matter if you look at it over five years, 10 years, 15 years. If you look at our conference, Ohio State's led the conference in wins, and Wisconsin's been uh, solid number two right behind them. So it just gives you, it gives you a good level of the uh, success they've had on the field, the consistency they've demonstrated as a football team. I think the one thing about them, whether you look at them playing-wise, they've had good players. The jerseys changed, but they've had good players. Uh, they've been well coached, and they typically just—they uh, don't beat themselves. They play extremely hard and uh, don't beat themselves. So I think that's really kind of what we're facing this week. And it's interesting, you know, 21 years ago when we got started, we were at the bottom of the league, looking up to the top, and they're right at the top. They uh, clinched a Rose Bowl berth against us. There uh, is their last game, our next to last game. So just putting in perspective, that—that's—that's uh, that's the challenge that we're facing right now, and uh, we got great, great respect for their for their football 
football team. I think, you know, everybody knows offensively. Very typically, uh, you know, I'll go back to the 80s. They've always uh, been strong up front. They've got a good offensive line, big physical guys that do a good job. Uh, they're good at the receiver position and deep at the receiver position. Got a really good tight end uh, that they find uh, very frequently and uh, makes a lot of good plays for them. Quarterback's playing extremely well. Fullbacks are good and they've got as good a running back as we've seen, uh, you know, during our time here. And, you know, we've played against some pretty good players. We talk about Barkley and McCaffrey to name two that are doing pretty good right now. So this guy's really a tremendous football player. Uh, like most teams that are good on uh, win-loss percentage, you know, their defense has been really consistently good and certainly no, no exception this year. They've had four shutouts and just playing really good defense, giving up the fewest amount of yards in the Big Ten. So you're, you're playing an outfit that's tough to score against. And then special teams, you know, just uh, they work hard, well-coached, good schemes, and uh, very, very productive, very, very aggressive. So uh, all that on top of going on the road and playing a really challenging environment, you know, we got a big challenge in our hands and it's going to take a great week of preparation and more importantly we have to play really well on Saturday to, to have an opportunity to um, come out on top of this thing. Ference was asked how Iowa will try to defend star Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor on Saturday. Two things I, I think you know I mentioned the receivers and their tight ends are really good players so you can't you can't just play the run because they, they have guys they can throw it to and those guys really really know what to do with it too so and they're deep they're deep at the receiver position uh, four guys that seem like they've been there quite a while and the tight ends uh, I think this is well, second year, I guess, really being an integral part of what they do. The tight ends have always been good for them. You know, you have to defend those guys as well. But I think the biggest thing, uh, and I'll go back to the game out here in 14, uh, you know, Foster had two big plays. Or that was Gordon, I'm sorry. Yeah, Foster. Uh, Gordon had two big plays in that game, one on a run, one on a pass. And when you play a guy as good as uh, as good as Taylor, you know, just you might be stopping him for a while, but it's just that threat that he can he can take it and then go the distance. And, uh, he, and they did that against Michigan on that the first play. It jumps into my mind. And those plays really break your back. They're just really tough to come back from. So the big thing, I think, is, you know, you just, you're on edge the entire game. As long as he's out there, you have to respect his ability to finish plays. And it's, you know, it's really a, a significant factor. Kirk discusses the recruitment of quarterback Nate Stanley, who's from Wisconsin, five years ago. I think we were fortunate, probably, in a couple of regards. Came to camp early. We really liked him as a, a, a prospect throwing the football. And, you know, what you learn about him, that when you get to learn about the family, uh, his mom and dad are tremendous people and all the other things he was doing uh, at his high school uh, in other sports and just the kind of young man he is and student and all that. So he just seemed to us like uh, the type of guy that you would like to have as a leader uh, in your program. It's a leadership position. And uh, then the good fortune was that, you know, uh, they had some connection to us. Uh, his dad actually grew up just across the uh, uh, across the border in Illinois, and then uh, mom's from Iowa, and um, you know they uh, they were both War- Warper grads, so had the Reese Morgan connection going that way. But probably the biggest break was that uh, Coach Christ was at Pittsburgh at that time, uh, and he knew of him from his time in Wisconsin, and so I think you know obviously it was uh, it was us and them pretty much, and we had a little uh, ge- geographic advantage on that one. But I think I think the th- telling thing is when uh, Paul took the job up at Wisconsin, you know Nate and his family never wavered. You know, we were concerned about that for obvious reasons, but they never wavered. And I think they're thinking on that. And, you know, I don't want to speak for Nate, but it was just kind of unless something happened here, they were, they were going to, you know, they were committed. So, you know, we really appreciate that. And that they were great to deal with in the recruiting process. And obviously have been great since he's you know been on our football team. They're just a great family. The Badgers have had three head coaches since Barry Alvarez moved from that position to become Wisconsin's athletic director. Ference was asked how much Alvarez still impacts Impacts, the style of football played by the Badgers, and the similarities between the Iowa and Wisconsin football programs. I think it's probably a logical assumption. I can't, I can't say it is or isn't because I don't work there, but I, I know this, uh, you know, Barry and I worked together for seven years, I think it was, and um, just knowing what I know about Barry and what I know about playing uh, the teams that he was coaching, I think he had a really clear vision of what it takes to be successful, and uh, it really has meshed well there. Uh, he felt like Wisconsin was a sleeping giant when he went there, uh, winter of 89-90, and I think, you know, his words were prophetic that way. Uh, so, you know, he and his staff did a great job. Bill Callahan was on that staff. He had some outstanding coaches on that staff, Brad Childress. So those guys really got it up and running, and, uh, you know, I think the formula is one that's probably time-tested and probably a little bit of Barry's DNA as a Nebraska player and then, you know, coaching under Coach Fry, uh, you know, playing good defense around the football well, you know, being good on the kicking game, those those three things, and that's that's what you see, and you've seen it pretty consistently now since Barry went there in 1990.
I think probably all of us that worked together uh, in the 80s, whether it's uh, Dan McCarney, Bill Snyder, you know, guys that also had good good runs and uh, being successful in their programs. I think you see some commonality there for sure. And I always laugh. I mean, you know, Coach Fry with his white pants and sunglasses and exotics. Everybody's, you know, looking on the periphery. And it was all about playing good defense and, and not beating yourself. I mean, that really was the secret. And especially in our big games, that's what we did. Next, we hear from Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ, who was asked for his assessment of Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley, who was also recruited by the Badgers. Nate's a heck of a player. Uh, you know, in the time when you're recruiting him, enjoyed getting to know him and his family. And, um, you know, he competes, and he's obviously very talented and um, has, I think, a real strong command of the game. Not just what they do offensively, um, you know what defenses do, and and uh, you know has also has good weapons around him. You know, I think he, he uses them well and, and understands not just what they've got to do offensively to win, but kind of their whole he gets football. And uh, like I said I think the way he competes and his toughness, um, he's a really good player, really good player. Christ was asked to assess the play of his offensive line, especially with the prospect of facing Iowa's highly ranked defense this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, Iowa's a really good defense. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting when you go against good defenses. You can't say, well, they're just the same Iowa defense, right? I mean, it's, you know, every year it's not the same. But, you know, it's a credit to them. The results are very effective. And, um, you, you know, you can't. You can't take any part of our team, you know, whether it's the O-line or D-line or receivers or in, say, you know, the last couple of games haven't gone like we want to say, you know, are we getting the production out of it? You know, we always are going to want more. And you know what? On the games where we won, we said, you know, we can get better here. Um, and so, you know, I think to hard to answer that question in the sense that of course there's things that we've got to do to get better each individual each group each unit and as a team Christ talks more about preparing to face the Hawkeyes defense and the consistent play across the board for Iowa on that side of the ball each week's different you know and um you know, anytime you're playing in the in the Big Ten you're going to face really good players and you know I think that you've got individuals that you know about because you see them on film a lot and and some of them you've seen over time you, you know um not much different than you know we've had guys that played a lot of football but they technically weren't the starter you know but if you go back and watch last year's tape you're seeing a lot of the same guys you know a couple go back more than that you know so I think you, you know there's familiarity with it it's uh it is impressive though you know what they're getting they're getting a really a lot of production out of a lot of guys it seems like when you're watching the film and and i think that's a good sign of you know good players and and good coaching and 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 them knowing and understanding the scheme but that you still got to play the scheme and and they do that well chris assesses the play of his offense after having the bye week to reflect on its development over the course of the season I mean, there's no question that's uh, one of the things I, I, I personally enjoy about the bye week is chance to go back and, and watch it. And, and, and maybe you're watching it with a little bit different eyes, too, because you're just, okay, what's the big picture? And, and there's no doubt when you – and you can break it down a number of different ways um, and, and looking at it. And, and certainly, you know, the last couple are a part of that, um, not necessarily the whole story. But you, you look at it and say, okay, you know, are we – I think the first thing as a coach you're looking at is, you know, what we're asking, is it, is it fair, is it right, it, does it fit the, who we're asking to do that? And then, then you're, you're always going to check your, you know, are we, um, if you're talking about running the ball, are you running the ball into unfavorable numbers or your angles not right or your, your doubles? You know, so you try to take a look at that, and I think out of it you find there's probably a little bit of all those that go, okay, how can we get better, right? It is in what we're asking a person or position group to do. Another part is, you know, are we doing, you take a look, are we doing too much? Are we not doing enough? You know, you try to assess that. And so I think that, you know, certainly the the last, you know, and it's really not just the last, so there's been a couple of games where we've, we've not been able to consistently run the football. 
And, and so I think that there's some things you can do uh, schematically to help that. I think there's some things that you can do um, technically. You know, I mean, it, it's what's kind of fun about it is we all got to own it. You know, coaches got to own it. Players got to own it. And, and I think there are some areas that we can we can take some steps forward. And, and, and then it's, you know, are you are you balanced? Are you able to, you know, you can take the same thing and you do do the same thing with the passing game. You know, are we really threatening the field enough? Are we pushing down the field? Are we hitting it? You know, right, left, deep, middle, short, you know, all those. I think, I think there's areas you could pick it and say, okay, we can get a little better there. And Paul Christ talks about the Big Ten West implications of the rivalry game against the Hawkeyes. We, we know, you know, that you, you get to play this season. And like a game, you know, it's not till the end that everything's kind of, this is what happened. And you're in the middle of it now. You know, we had a chance to c- catch our breath, but it's how do you take advantage of each week? And, and I think that's been the belief, you know, I've had the, the whole time. And, and so I think that um, we know, right, there's everything has a action reaction to it. But you focus on the things you can control. You know, we had a good message today, you know, be where your feet are. And our feet are right here in the Iowa week. And that's a big deal. That's a big game. It's a great historic rivalry game. you got a ton of respect for their program. It's, uh, it's a big deal. And so why not try to make the most of that opportunity? Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Wildcats clinched the Big Ten West Division Championship last year in this matchup. He'll fail to score a point in 2019 against the Hawkeyes. Cold rain falls in Evanston. Kirk Ferentz will take that 227-mile bus trip back home and feel pretty good. Hawkeyes will improve to 6-2 overall. Another win in the Big Ten. And division title hopes still alive. Hawkeyes win it in shutout fashion. Our final score, 20 to nothing over Northwestern. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook feature this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott reflects on the Big Ten West road win at Northwestern, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game, Iowa at Wisconsin, for the Heartland Trophy. Scott, this is certainly one of the biggest weeks of the year for Iowa football, and for that matter, Wisconsin as well as the Hawkeyes travel to Madison on Saturday to face the Badgers. But before we turn to that game, any uh, reflections on Iowa's 20 to nothing shutout victory against Northwestern in Evanston? It certainly was a, wor- a workmanlike performance for the Hawkeyes. You know, the defense was outstanding as we figured it would be a good game defensively and it turned out to be a great game defensively. Only once, I think, did uh, Northwestern get inside Iowa's 40. It ended on downs at right around the 28-yard line and really without the benefit of a lot of big plays defensively I I thought that it was really a uh, you know as as good of a performance as I've seen on that side of the ball in a long long time. Offensively I mean it was still kind of a a skittish performance if you will. I mean there were some big plays. I think Tyrone Tracy his touchdown I thought was was tremendous and and Sam Laporta came up with a couple of big plays and and I was able to have one really sustained drive but I think you know it's still an offense that seems to be certain it has its identity. It's just it just doesn't quite match the execution level. And as we saw, you know that was kind of a get through it type of game, and they did. Uh, you know, twenty to nothing win was important for Iowa. But as we know, that the real part of the season starts this week. It starts for not only big picture but also small picture. Just simply, it wouldn't matter if these two teams this week, Iowa and Wisconsin, were playing for nothing. But other than the Heartland Trophy, this game matters. It matters to both. So I think uh, in that context. It's a it's very much an important game. It's a Big Ten West elimination game because both teams have the exact uh, record six and two, three and two. Iowa coming off of two wins, Wisconsin off of two straight losses. You win Saturday and then you win your last three games, and you're almost certainly playing in the Big Ten championship game if you actually want to play Ohio State. <laughs> 
That's true. This is one of those years where you're like, is this a, uh, a scent of, uh, you know, or, or something positive going your way? I mean, this this Ohio State team for just a second here, you know, we've seen them win two, two national titles and we've seen them play for two national titles over the last 20 or so years. The only team that they've had that's close to this one was in the 2016 that lost to Florida in the BCS championship. And otherwise, this is a, an electrifying, incredible team that I think uh, is, is going to – it still has not been challenged yet, and uh, they play good competition. So that that's yeah. Is it is it going to be a, a reward or or a sentence? I guess we'll find out. But I, specific to what Iowa is and and where they are right now, this is an is an important game. I think outside of the 2015 season, as Iowa's played since the last time it played Wisconsin in 2010, all the way going all the way back there. Because when we looked at this season, we thought that this had the opportunity to be something special, and it's still there for the taking. If Iowa can get to 10 and 2, win the Big 10 West and then no matter what happens in Indy, it would be a considered a, a successful year. However, if you lose this game, you're this will be the eighth time in the last 10 years Iowa's finished somewhere between 7 probably and 9 wins, and that's just hard to be palatable. You know, it's, it's hard it's not a real finish that fans are real fired up about anymore. So I I think this is an opportunity for Iowa and certainly it is for Wisconsin that had a disappointing year last year. To, to kind of rectify their seasons and, and add value to it. So I think this is going to be as important of a week and an important of a game as we've seen in a long, long time. All right, let's turn to the matchup between Iowa's offense and Wisconsin's defense. I think everybody recognizes this is probably going to be some kind of a defensive battle, and both teams are very highly ranked nationally in all the key defensive stats. And the Hawkeyes come in averaging 24.4 points a game. Wisconsin's defense comes in giving up an average of 11 points four points a game. Yeah, this is going to be an awfully tough matchup for Iowa. And what we've seen is, you know, the Badgers have been very, very good over the years. And, uh, you know, this is this is another indication of that. I think the real change in this rivalry over, over time has been the way Wisconsin has adapted to the 3-4 and how it has attacked Iowa through it. Uh, before, when, I, when it was a traditional 4-3, Iowa was able to run with effectiveness against the Badgers. It has not been able to do so uh, the last say five years uh in fact iowa the winning team the last five contests have had uh and and 14 the last 15 games has been the team that's outrushed one another so i think when you look at iowa what is it going to be able to do against this you know defense and this defense has been outstanding well it allows only 84 yards per game and 2.8 yards per carry iowa's rush offense has not been very good the last four weeks in particular so iowa's going to have to figure out a way to run the ball against Wisconsin to chew up clock to keep them at an even level to keep the defense off the field this is a team this is a game where you try to protect your defense as much as you try to advance the football so I think uh, you know what what that means for Iowa is they're probably gonna have to try to go through the air well now some of your safety valves are not available no Brandon Smith and no and probably no Nate Weeding and I think that's going to be difficult for the Hawkeyes now they do get uh, Kyler shot back on at right guard and but I'm not sure what he brings. Is he, you know, has how has he performed in practice? Because when we last saw him, he was against competition that wasn't quite at the same level as what we've seen the last since, you know, certainly Michigan and, and Penn State. He didn't play against those opponents. He's going to get a, a quick test right away if he does play in this game. So, you know, with Iowa, it's going to be about what can they do in the air, uh, but sustaining drives at the same time. And that leads it all on Nate Stanley. Can Nate Stanley make sure to advance drives, hit the check downs, you know, on third and six, get, pick up eight yards? Can he do that consistently? He has not done that consistently against the Badgers previously, but he has at different times this season. His completion percentage is as high as it's been in his career, and I think he's managed the game better than he ever has, too. So uh, there are some major challenges here for Iowa going against Wisconsin, but I also think that Iowa is capable of scoring some points and sustaining some drives to, to, to make sure to kind of supplement its defense and what its defense wants to do. To your point about Wisconsin's defense causing Iowa fits for 
most of the last few games. The Hawkeyes did do a little better against it last year at the game in Kinnick, even though they lost. And But yet you reflect back on that game in Madison two years ago where it was like one of the most woeful offensive performances for the Hawkeyes in modern history, and I don't think that's an overstatement. That was a giant turd of an offensive performance and probably the worst maybe in Bryant's Ferentz tenure as offensive coordinator. But a couple of interesting aspects to this game. You've got two key Iowa players, Stanley and Torn Young, uh, both from Wisconsin. And, you know, the sense that in the last game up there, and Nate appeared to be under, you know, really pressing in that game, being from Wisconsin. And now they're both, you know, a couple of years into things. And how do you think that's going to play out? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I guess I would first of all say, you know, you've got several players who are from Wisconsin that, that want to play well, you know, on the road in this environment. And I think we'd start with Nate Stanley. I mean, you know, he's a senior, as we know what happened there two years ago, 66 total yards, which is the worst offensive performance for Iowa since 1944. So it's been, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was their own little D-Day, I suppose that day. Uh, so I think there's some issues that need to be resolved. It was a very, very poorly planned and executed game plan that Iowa actually that day when it ran on first down was picking up right around four to four and a half yards per carry, which is exactly what you want to do. I felt like the game plan against Michigan was real similar, which was they got really impatient on second down and didn't execute to the level of what it needed to. And then on third down was a complete and utter disaster. They could, they didn't convert a single third down two years ago. And a lot of it was because they couldn't do anything on second down, you know, and, and that's where Iowa in the past has been more patient. You know, you get three or four yards on first down, you get three or four yards running on second down. Nobody likes to see it, except it works. In that case, it never did. Uh, when you look at Nate Stanley, what he has to do is, is is manage the game. You know, he's he's kind of lacking in signature wins, and that's kind of been the uh, hallmark of you know the, the difference between good and great careers at Iowa, and not all of that is fair, but it's, it is the truth that you need a quarterback to step up and win a big game in order for him to be considered among the greats and statistically he's there but but when you look at what he's been able to do um, on the road in big games other than Iowa State, it's just really not been there. So, uh, you know, this year he's got 10 touchdowns, five interceptions. You know, he's completing the ball at a, right around uh, 60 61%. So his numbers are pretty good, but he needs to do more. Now, as far as touring Young goes, that one's going to be a little bit more difficult because I think Iowa's going to have to feel which running back works the best against this Badgers defense. Is it going to be the bowl, which is Torin Young? I don't know. I think it may be better suited for a Tyler Goodson uh, who can kind of uh, make people miss in space because other than Akram Wadley, Iowa has not had that in recent years and they might need that. And so I think this is going to be a game where you find the back that fits the game the best during the game and if it might not be torn young because he has not had a lot of carries really uh you know other than a few games here and there to that point you had an interesting dialogue with kirk at his tuesday press conference about tyler goodson's development and his impact and then you wrote an article uh, suggesting that probably goodson should be the go-to back here going forward because of the attributes he brings to the position yeah he's uh you know maybe out of the three uh counting sergeant and young he's maybe the least physical, but he's physical enough. To, to, to make people miss when they, you know, and break tackles. But then again, his burst and his uh, kind of electric nature about him as a playmaker make him a real important player in this type of game. And I don't mean just going in motion and running out for pass patterns, which we've seen a lot, but actually, uh, you know, finding those holes. This is what he was recruited for. Iowa continues to operate out of his own scheme, which, you know, can be a detriment in a game like this when you have pursuers who are as athletic as uh, – Wisconsin's guys, but then again, uh, you have a running back who's capable of taking advantage of it. I think now is the time to use him. He's had his opportunities. Uh, you know, they've worried about whether or not he's going to be uh, fit enough to, to do it, and he's proven that he can do it. Uh, he's, he can compete at a high level. He's made big plays. Yeah, he had a, a turnover against Penn State, but that was kind of a group turnover, not necessarily on himself. So I think this is the time to unleash him to 
to, to make him the focal point of your attack. And then if you need to come back to one of the other guys, you sure can. It's uh, probably not worth spending too much time on, but if you're Iowa, you probably really wish you had Brandon Smith, that physical presence at the receiver position for this game, but you don't. And Amir Smith-Marset has done a really nice job the last couple games stepping up, making some big catches, a few of them one-handed. <laughs> He just gets better and better. You know, his route running is so much better, his consistency, and yes, his, his catching ability. That was one area where he was, you know, I had a big question mark about him was he was pretty inconsistent catching the ball. He has dropped passes, but instead now his concentration's better. His his hand-eye coordination, you could tell, has improved, and he's, he's still an electrifying uh, pass catcher. So I think this is going to be, a, you know, this has the potential to be a breakout game for him, both as a kick returner and as a, a wide receiver he needs to make a couple of big plays and he has uh but i think this is the type of game in this uh fashion where he could be a separator and then you look at the across the the way i think tyrone tracy has stepped in you know admirably he had a really good game against northwestern that touchdown but then the way they all block for one another that's going to be important in this situation in this game uh nico regani can he he makes some plays that's been able that's been a big part of iowa when they've had success against wisconsin it's what can the either the tight ends or slot receivers do and matt vandenberg did a nice job in their last win against them in 2015 doing that jake doozy in a game where they they lost but it was an impressive comeback for iowa in 2014 those are the types of players that need to come and make plays and and i think the receivers right now are in that position where they can do that flipping back over to wisconsin's defense the linebacking core is obviously crucial for them and their three leading tacklers are three of their linebackers uh, Sanborn or and Bond and they're they're they have terrific numbers <laughs> it's really impressive because you know going into the season we thought who are they and we don't know other than, well, they're Wisconsin guys and they're going to be pretty good. Well, Chris Orr has been a guy who's been around for a while, but nobody really knew much about Zach Bond until, why? He's, uh, you know, the best pass rusher they have. Uh, he's on the, the midseason All-American list for a lot of places. So I think he's a guy that Iowa's going to have to be cognizant of, just like all the others in the past. Um, you know, they don't, they, they seem to have one guy step in for the next guy. It's either running back and t- off uh, left tackle and, and outside linebacker, then uh, whether it's Andrew Van Ginkle or Joe Schobert in the past, or Vince Beagle. Now he got uh, Zach Bond, and he's he's outstanding. And Chris Orr is an inside backer. It's all over the place, making plays. Same thing with Jack Sanborn. So, uh, you know, up front, though, it's going to be interesting to see how much do they get out Bryson Williams. He was injured for a while earlier in the year. Isaiah Loudermilk is a big guy. Uh, not quite as physical as before, but still pretty big. And Garrett Rand. I mean, but they're what they're asked to do is tie up blockers to enable those linebackers to flow freely to the ball. One of the that they do so well is they are very gap sound and they have they get their run fits you know in great fashion and then of course if they need to, to rush the quarterback uh, they find the, the necessary space to make it happen so this will be another challenge for Iowa no doubt about it and really the big test for me is what can Iowa get out of its guard position and the two losses if Iowa had better guard play uh, it's 50-50. They might have won both of those games against two outstanding teams. Uh, in this case, if that guard position is a detriment, they're going to Nate Stanley's going to get rushed right in his face, and he's also uh, the running game is going to get stopped for a lot of no no yards or one yard carries. So that to me is probably the most important factor for the Hawkeyes on Saturday. You look at Jack Sanburn's numbers, and most college linebackers in the country would probably be thrilled with those six and a half tackles for lost three and a half sacks. But then you'll look at Chris Orr and Bond. I mean, Orr's got nine tackles for loss, nine sacks. Bond's numbers, seven and a half sacks, 12 tackles for loss. Wow. Yeah, they are outstanding, no doubt about it. And I think that's that's the, the issue that Iowa's going to have to face is that um, they, they have an attacking defense. It's different than what Iowa does. Iowa tries to control the line of scrimmage. In Wisconsin's case, they only have a couple of guys who do that, and they allow the linebackers much more free reign within the scheme to um, execute and make plays. So, yeah, any those guys stepped up, have stepped up. Now Sanborn is, you know, a little bit more of the pass uh, defensive linebacker where the other guys are more, you know, get the run fits and then, you know, go after the quarterback. So, but they're all very dangerous. Who has the edge in this matchup? Without a doubt, it's Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's proven it with the exception of the game against uh, Ohio State. Outstanding four shutouts. 
Iowa has uh, struggled in, in a lot of games this year offensively, even in the games that they've won the last few weeks. They haven't been exactly terrific, so this is no doubt about it. Wisconsin's the, the stronger team. Let's look at Iowa's defense against Wisconsin's offense. Just a couple of points. When Wisconsin lost those two games, they struggled rushing, but outside of those two losses, they've been terrific all season long and averaging 35.6 points a game. Uh, Iowa's defense has given up just 10.1. Something's got to give there, and Iowa hasn't allowed a rush longer than 20 yards all season long, and now here comes Jonathan Taylor. They have not, and this is where it all kind of the rubber beats the road, per se, and that is, can Iowa contain him? And Iowa has not been perfect in run defense, but it's been very, very good, obviously. I mean, right now it averages, you know, less than 88 yards a game allowed, 3.1 yards per carry. You know, the 88 yards a game is eighth in the country, third only third in the Big Ten, because, and Wisconsin, for that matter, is, uh, you know, just above it. It's just an amazing league for that. But but I think you first you look at Iowa and what's the hallmark of an Iowa is the bend but don't break, which you immediately look at to points and total defense. And points right now at 10.1 points per game, that's the best since 1956, which they were 8.4. That was the first Rose Bowl team under Evy. So it's, we're going back quite a ways, 63 years. Uh, and, and then same thing, you know, with total defense, uh, the last time Iowa's total defense numbers were as at this level was 1981, which was Hayden Fry's first Rose Bowl year. So we're in historic territory through eight games for this defense. This is its greatest test for the rest of the season. Can it slow down Wisconsin? And in 14 of the last 15 games between these two teams, the team that rushed for the most yards won. The only outlier was 2009 with Iowa uh, winning at Madison. Now, you know, Jonathan Taylor, uh, if he rushes for 100 yards, he's the only player to ever rush for 100 yards three times against Ferentz. So there's uh, there's some potential for uh, history and anomalies here. So I think uh, this is the key matchup for the Hawkeyes. Maybe throughout the whole game is can they slow down Jonathan Taylor? Can they force them into third and long situations? And I think they can, and I think they will for the most part, but can they do it at really critical junctures? That's going to be the big question. So uh, Jonathan Taylor is an outstanding running back, one of the greats that Iowa's had to face, one of the many, many, many greats over the last, you know, seven or eight years. But that said, um, you know, he's the fastest player to ever reach 5,000 yards in NCAA history, and he's going to be a handful to contain on each and every carry. He's a real threat receiving, too. It's interesting. He's got 15 rushing touchdowns. He's got four receiving touchdowns. That's 19 total. Iowa has 20 total touchdowns all year. It shows you the difference between this, these two teams, uh, that Jonathan Taylor is, they've allowed him to become that kind of successful running back, whereas Iowa is still struggling in a few areas and just not able to capitalize and, and score touchdowns. They've got a first-year starter at quarterback, Jack Cohn. He's got 10 touchdowns passing, only had been uh, picked twice completing nearly 75 percent of his passes they've got three they've got three to four really good wide receivers same thing with the tight end that have really allowed him to flourish if you will where he doesn't have to worry about too much because when you got Quintess Cephas who was suspended all last year he's back Danny Davis AJ Taylor Kendrick Pryor at wide receiver that's a lot of first to, to contain for an opposing secondary and then I, I really like uh, the, the the tight end Jake Ferguson who's uh, Barry Alvarez's grandson you know big physical guy can do a lot I think he's an NFL caliber tight end as well so that that's that says a lot to me about this this team and uh that they're they are versatile uh they've had a lot of change on the offensive line last year to this year but that hasn't seemed to affect them very much so when they need to pass they can uh, because of the receivers. So that this is going to be, uh, you know, it, it, it's not a one-dimensional Wisconsin team, certainly, but they do, of course, prefer to go on the run. And, and they average about 20 yards rushing per game more than they do through the air. Iowa will once again be without its leading tackler, linebacker Christian Welch. But other people have really stepped up so far, uh, all season long, really, linebacker and in the defensive secondary in particular. And, you know, it's, it's not a team defense so far that's got a lot of sacks, but the combination of everything they're doing, obviously, is extremely effective. Yeah, Iowa's not built to get a lot of sacks and, and tackles, especially tackles for loss. 
I mean, it's it's built to two gap, tie up blockers, and then hope for uh, and then keep the linebackers free and uh, you know make a lot of one yard gains. <laughs> that's rather than zero or, or minus one. So that's really a big impact on this team. They they have only 16 sacks. That's not a, a great number. Last year they were at 35, so they are quite a bit down. Uh, they they did look much better. They had five sacks against Northwestern. Chauncey Golston's kind of moving into his own, and AJ Epineza has dealt with a ton of double teams and he's going to have to figure out out how to get better at that but a lot of but as a full service defensive end he's been outstanding so I I think that the defense you know we're nitpicking a little bit with the defense because based on the historical context of the numbers they're presenting for people to say and I've got to deal with these questions that AJ Epineza is is not playing very well or you know what's wrong with their pass rush and then you look you go well they're only giving up 10 points a game and including against uh, the number 14 in the country they gave up 17 and they were averaging 47 i I think you you should be pretty happy with the performance overall one of the really interesting little kind of not just a side note it could have a significant potential impact here both teams are coming off their bye week the way illinois and ohio state had success against wisconsin's offense was putting extra defensive linemen up there really focusing on stopping the rush and yet you know, when you listen to Paul Christ at his presser on Monday, you know, he was reflecting on how the bye week has let them really look at all of that and what caused those problems and how they can go about fixing them. So let's just talk about that for a moment, about how much Iowa's defense might switch things up a little bit to try to mirror to some degree what the Buckeyes and Illini did versus Wisconsin's having had two weeks now to kind of shore that up. Yeah, I mean, you know, every team has a chance to reflect during their bye week as to to where they are. And in Wisconsin's case, you know, they probably have a little bit stronger analysis of themselves just simply because they've lost two straight games. And uh, they went from being considered one of the dominant teams in the country to now kind of also ran status. I mean, they're 13th, which is great. But when you started out as strong as they did, you expected to peak for the the national title, not just the Big Ten title. So I'm sure that they are, you know, they're analyzing their situation situation a little bit more now when you flip it over to the other side for Iowa and their defense last year you know, Wisconsin started a backup offensive lineman, changed his number, and made him a tight end. And now that guy, uh, uh, Logan Brunts, is uh, the right tackle. But that that's something that they are capable of doing again and have done, which is line up with seven offensive linemen and try to really blow you off the football. Iowa countered last year at times with some uh, with goal line defense, six defensive linemen in the game. And then Wisconsin took advantage of it and had some play-action fake. And, and when you get single coverage, that ended up, uh, you know, hurting the Hawkeyes. Uh, in one play in particular, uh, cost them 33 yards and a touchdown on the next play. So there is some challenges that Iowa has to work schematically. Now, what I think Iowa is going to do out of this is I, I could see them getting more into a, almost a, an old school 52 type front, which is kind of try to line up with, you know, a nose tackle and, and you know, two defensive tackles and two defensive ends and, and go almost to what Hayden had under Bill brazier and that's something that may work now what they're going to do is they're also going to have their cash available but they're not going to use it quite as much i mean there's no reason to use it when until they get into a three wide receiver formation so i think you're going to see you know some variety from the hawkeyes but i don't think you're going to see as much as maybe we thought just simply because iowa likes to keep things simple and uh, the best way to keep it simple is just not to change yeah one last note on wisconsin's offense you know i think most people have been pretty pleased with Iowa's offense when it comes to the time of possession advantage averaging 34-21 a game even though they haven't been able to actually score on a lot of those drives Wisconsin leads the nation 36-48 second place is 90 seconds behind them which that's a pretty significant number too (laughs) it definitely will be a challenge for the Hawkeyes in each of the last five years Wisconsin's won that battle but in in the one game where Iowa did win in 2015 it was fairly close. It was 31. It was about 90 seconds difference. So I don't know that Iowa can win that battle of time and possession or uh, certainly rush the rushing crown like they might need to. But I 
think that they can mitigate it through, uh, you know, a couple of different areas. Okay, who has the edge here in this matchup? Iowa's defense, Wisconsin's offense. I'm going to go Iowa's defense. I, I do obviously like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's an outstanding player. But I do think Iowa presents a lot of challenges for what Wisconsin can do. And, and uh, you know, we can overanalyze this a lot, but it really comes down to, you know what, Illinois beat them. So I, I don't think that it, it's they are so imposing. And Iowa played even with them for 50 and above them for 59 minutes last year. So I really like Iowa's defense in this matchup. I think that they will be able to contain the Wisconsin offense as a whole. Obviously, I don't think that they'll have a shutout, but I do think that they'll, you know, negate a lot of big plays in a, in a lot of touchdowns. A couple of quick notes on special teams. Wisconsin hasn't had to attempt many field goals this season, but their field goal kicker is only 6 of 10. On the other hand, the Hawkeyes with Keith Duncan, he's tied for first in the nation with this field goals that he's kicked. He's hitting 86.4%. Wisconsin's other kicker, however, their kickoff specialist is uh, second in the nation in terms of touchbacks, and he's had touchbacks on 30 of the last 34, so kind of some interesting things to watch there. You know, and I think another area that's really worth watching is uh, is uh, punting. And Iowa is not great, but it's way better than it's been in the last few years. Their their net right now is, is 38.7, and uh, they're ranked sixth in the Big Ten overall, And whereas Wisconsin is 10th in the Big Ten and 93rd in the country in punting. And I think uh, depending on, uh, you know, when field position is at such a premium, I mean, you take a look at last couple of years, Iowa's had uh, five drives start inside its own 10-yard line the last two two years. That field position matters so much in this game. And uh, to have Iowa have the better punter, it could help them, you know, when they're playing field position football. The other thing that's uh, significant, and, I, you know, we don't really talk about this as much maybe as we ought to, but Amir Smith-Marset, is, uh, his kickoff return average, while he stills trying to get that first kickoff return for a touchdown, He's uh, he's got the best stats in terms of kickoff returns over his career at Iowa, and he's pushing to be the best in that regard in the Big Ten history. Yeah, he was really high <laughs> before the season. He was he was right around uh, 30 yards per, per return in his career, but the problem was that now he's only at 22 this season. Uh, I thought it was a sa- outstanding last year when you looked at uh, at that team, especially at what he was able to do without having any uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns. That's it he is a game breaker he's capable of doing that every time i don't know though whether iowa will want him to do uh try to attempt it uh unless they have a specific reason because again if if uh, if you get the ball to 25 that sure beats having it at the 14 because they've had eight you know uh you know five inside their own 10 and eight inside their own 20 possessions the last two years and so i could see him them asking him to just go ahead and take a uh, fair catch just about every time except one maybe and, and that's what they and that's probably about it. Yeah, the other factor in that regard, uh, in talking to Ron Caluzzi uh, last year about this, is it's going to be really cold on Saturday in Madison. It might not even hit 30. So that could impact the length of kickoffs, certainly the length of field goals too. But if that happens, you might see an opportunity or two for him to try to return something if they're not going to be that deep. You, you might. I mean, you never know. I mean, that, that, could, that could very well be an opportunity that Iowa could exploit. All right, time for your prediction. Iowa, Wisconsin, winners on the road maybe to Indy or at least in the hunt. Loser is looking at something other than a New Year's Day bowl. Yeah, I I really think I think Iowa is capable of winning this game, but I think Iowa has to be a little bit more perfect to win and, and other rather than what Wisconsin is. I guess I've picked Iowa against Wisconsin the last few years to no success. I think Wisconsin's a little bit more has a, fewer deficits than Iowa right now after what we've seen at the offensive guard position in in the big games Iowa is is a clear detriment that Wisconsin will surely exploit so I've got to go with the Badgers here I think it's going to be an incredible game physical tough hard-nosed but I I think I like them 16 to 13 but that said if we if the game gets into the fourth quarter and it's close all the the reasons we mentioned about Keith Duncan I do think Iowa has a clear advantage in that regard but I I think that the Badgers are just a little bit better and certainly being at home I think it it uh, tips to towards Madison. Well, we got Peter, and they got guys named Laser and Blazer and Taser and all kinds of Asian.
Our thanks again, as always, to our regulars on Hawkeyes, Mike, Scott Docterman, Steve Batterson, and John Bonenkamp. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes, Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.